Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. Oh no, okay, yeah. So Tim, awesome. I think I've got you now. So yeah, welcome to the Tuesday tune in. Um, wow. Just going to be, uh, yeah, we have a, it's not unusual to have some technological hiccups. So uh, this is what we're having now. But of course, you're in the business of things not going right. <laughs> and so this should be uh, an, just another day in the office for you. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us on the Tuesday tune in. It's great to have you. No problem at all. It's lovely to be here. Excellent. Yeah, so, thanks, Tim. I thanks, think... Tim. And apologies, the, uh, I think we're live on Facebook now, but I'm going to have to, because we're on Facebook, uh, Dave, and, and just because we're on Facebook, we do have to say for everyone on Facebook, are we live? Because I know Ramona will actually kill me if I don't do it. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you if you have just joined us, yeah, as Dave said there, we, we were live on Instagram, but the Facebook bit wasn't working. So apologies on that. Um, but yeah, Dave, did you, I know you give a little bit of an intro there to Tim, right? Uh, around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so welcome, Andy. <laughs> but yeah, no. So I've just basically given everyone a little bit of insight into what today yeah. is going to be about. And I've, um, basically, this is about one of the most important questions that we get asked before anyone goes on a trip. Um, ironically, it's often the one that people leave to last minute, which is yeah. what type of insurance do I need? Do I need an insurance policy? Um, and we always say that it's one of the most vitally important parts of your trip. In fact, it's a, a stipulation to go on our trips that you have to have the right insurance policy. Um, yeah. But, you know, I don't work for an insurance company um, and I've not personally had to make a claim. So my advice, perhaps, is going to be relatively limited. So what we thought we'd do, we bring Tim Riley from True Traveller along. He's going to tell us a bit about himself, a bit about his insights and knowledge of the insurance industry, and hopefully going to answer your questions as well. So all of you guys are going to be fully prepared. So um, and Great stuff, now Dave. we are all brought up. <laughs> nice. Good man. Good man. Yeah, if you have joined us, um, apologies, we're, we're a few minutes late. We we're just trying to sort out some tech. Um, do let us know if you have joined. I can see um, a few of you joined. I can see Bry. Uh, I can see Shona, Ramona, Diane, Jim, Jane, Gary. Um, yeah, a little comment, guys, if you've just joined us. And if you have joined us as well, as Dave just said, because it's around uh, insurance, do drop some questions in, um, uh, obviously, for, for us and, and, and Tim to chat about. Um, yeah, just around uh, everything to do with insurance, you know, altitude insurance, especially as people are starting to go on trips. Um, you know, we, we, we thought it was an important uh, sort of subject to, to sort of chat about because, you you know, you're going to be getting insurance very, very, very shortly. Um, all right, Tim, are you there? I, I, I'm not I am indeed. Hey, I'm, I'm here now. I'm here now. Um, <laughs> here now. Well done. And thanks for dressing up as well and putting on a tie for us, mate. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I, I have actually already explained to Andy and Dave. I'm in a tie because I've been invited to Kensington Palace tonight for uh, the Wanderlust Travel Awards, which uh, I'm just there as a hanger on. They don't give insurance companies awards. Um, a, little bit about, a little bit about me. Um, am I an insurance underwriter? No. Uh, I'm MD of True Traveller and we're what's called an intermediary. Um, so we have an insurance company sitting behind us and we basically put the policy together um, and then we market that policy. Um, we do do our own claims in-house at True Traveller, but our assistant service, yeah. who you'll phone up from the top of a mountain, hopefully never, uh, is done by AXA, who are our insurer. 
Um, a bit about me. Um, have I been in insurance? No. Nope. When I left school, I joined the army for four years. Um, after I joined, the, before then, one summer, I worked for a, a specialist tour operator. Um, after I left the army, I joined Trail Finders, and I was in the travel business for a, a long time, um, yeah. and ended up at Tui Travel. Um, then we started True Traveller, and we were selling tours as well as insurance. Um, but the insurance is more popular than the tours, so uh, yeah. that's uh, that's that's how True Traveller came about. Excellent. And you've I actually done Everest Base Camp a... as well, Tim. Yeah, done Everest Base Camp when I was uh, in the 1980s. There were no helicopters then there. In, in Only the Nepalese army had them and there were only Bell Hueys and they couldn't get to that sort of altitude anyway. Yeah. So uh, right. if you're in trouble, you had to walk down or get carried down. Really? Yeah. I bet that was quite cool though because I, I bet the certainly the villages and the infrastructure was very basic back then. Well, it's, it still is in areas, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's, uh, essentially there was a lot less trekking then. It was more hardcore uh, trekkers who went there then than there is probably yeah. now. It wasn't so much a bucket list type thing. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it can get very busy at EBC at certain times of year, but it never yeah. used to get that busy. Um, that it, that it can do now but yeah there was no infrastructure obviously there's no mobile phones there wasn't a mobile phone anywhere when i went yeah, um yeah. so um you know only the, the big ones in london were just appearing on the streets you know there's big bricks that people carry uh, yeah. so uh, so yeah you you have to go and you know it's still keeping to trekkers rules going a group of three um you know if at all possible because somebody's got to go and get help and somebody stays with an injured party uh, that rule really yeah. hasn't changed um, and I think possibly then people kind of took it on their own pace. Um, yeah. There is a, a problem with some of the sort of independent trekkers in Nepal or local companies in Nepal. They'll set up a very cheap price but race you to Everest Base Camp and, you know, with, with all the problems that that can cause people. Yeah. Yeah, nice. we do say one of the yeah. most important. And I think there's a little delay between me and you. So oh, really? I get, yeah, that's why there's a gap and I talk and then it happens. So we're going to have to try and Dave? Yeah, yeah. So that's what's happening. But um, yeah, no, it's, it, it is interesting. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think uh, one of the things that we've always said is it's just as important to choose the right operator as it is the right policy as well. Um, this is why this coming together here, Tim, is like uh, a yeah. storm of... <laughs> yeah. It's been um, it's certainly been an interesting time, isn't it? I was, I was quite I suppose the, one of the reasons personally, you know, even before I set up Evertrack, I used uh, True Traveller. Uh, I, 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 you were a travel company before, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, which was yeah. for me, I, I kind of felt you know, I'm going to use it. It's a, it's a travel, if it used to be a travel company, you know how it works and the intricacies of certainly trekking at altitude, which is inherently, you know, can be dangerous and things do happen. And I thought, well, cool, if they've been a travel company, I'm going to go with them. That was, <laughs> that was what I, um, and obviously I've used you guys, you know, uh, for most trips ever since. Uh, but what made you change over then from a travel company to a insurance company, which is just. Well, to be, to, no, to be honest with you, um, we, the Civil Aviation Authority, our good friends with our atoll, didn't like the amount of travel insurance premium going through the books. And they basically wow. accused us of cooking the books um, to you know, try and support the business or they, were, they thought we were taking travel monies and 
paying insurance and it just got too complicated even though we were operating trust accounts and everything else so we you know we took the decision actually let's shut down the travel side and it you know um so we yeah. did we had to really it was it was that complex i mean it was getting a bit nutty because probably 80 percent of our income was coming from travel insurance only 20 percent from tours at that stage we just wow. for whatever reason the insurance side just went through the roof yeah, yeah. mad with that sorry i was trying to pause then dave because i know there's a delay which is a, which is a bit weird um well look we've got some questions already around the insurance and i know you know the big ones um you know around kind of age costs things like that um dave what what would be the big three questions that i know i know we we, we usually cover so i think you know our two most popular trips uh ever space coming kilimanjaro so i yeah. think we'll Start with those two, and perhaps the question I get asked by probably 80% of the people that book on is what type of policy do I need? Is the travel insurance policy that comes for you with my bank account good enough to get me safely to the top of Killy or reach Everest Base Camp um, and help me in the event of an emergency? Um, so I think that's probably the number one. Okay, um, I'll have to sort of preamble this by saying that we are regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority, yes, um, so I can't give advice, uh, yeah. but uh, and I can't speak specifics about anybody else's yeah. policy. But yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're going on a beach holiday, you'll find your bank policy is probably very good, um, and if you fall over your pina colada, they'll pay for the hospitalisation most probably. However, once you start doing more um, you know, exploratory, adventurous type stuff, they're going to have, you know, some of them might, you may be able to pay extra with them, but you have to check the small print. Yeah. You know, an insurance company will look at what would normally, what people would normally do on holiday. It's not a normal thing to go on holidays to start trekking above 5,000 meters. So, you know, you'd have to look around to see if there's an add-on uh, or go to, you know, a specialist um, insurance company. Some insurance companies don't touch Nepal at all because yeah. of the helicopter scams that go on out there. Uh, but you just got to look at small print. Usually by going to Google and putting Nepal travel insurance or Everest Base Camp travel insurance, they're going to start popping up, you know, pretty quickly. Yeah. And you've made it pretty easy because... I'm actually quite familiar with your website. Um, actually, the first time, <laughs> first time I ever got a policy was 11 p.m. the night before I flew to Lukla. Because I was one right. of those people that went out and thought, I don't need the insurance, I'll wing it. Totally yeah. inexperienced, didn't really know what I was getting into. And when I arrived in Kathmandu and I was talking to some trekkers that had recently come down, they put the fear of God into me. No, you see people picked up all the time. You know, you need to, I was on the phone buying one. And you do have the trekking in the fall option. So it's pretty yeah. difficult to go wrong. Um, mm. if you want a specific one. And the same, I believe, for Kilimanjaro is the same. Now I always get it well in advance. But, um, yeah, but yeah, that is fascinating. And I think, yeah, I suppose trekking above 5,000 metres and going into a high-altitude environment where there are no cars, no roads, um, is not a usual thing to experience on holiday. You're not going to no. be able to get a tuk-tuk back down to, <laughs> to Lukla. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Rather than the, the flight, but yeah, unfortunately, it's quite remote, isn't it? What about Killy then? What's the um, Dave? You mentioned obviously about the two big trips there. I mean, about about Killy. What's the the kind of biggest challenge with that with insurance? Because I know it's helicopter evacuation on there as well, isn't it? 
Sorry, Tim, there is, yeah, there is, there is now on Kili, there is one helicopter, one Eurocopter in Kilimanjaro. It's been there for about three years. Yeah. Um, the th odd thing about Kilimanjaro, our claims uh, record on Kilimanjaro has always been very, very good. We've only had one large claim that I more than £10,000 in the yeah. last seven years. And that was a fall where somebody's basically hit the head. Um, and that was before the helicopter. So they were run down the mountain by the guides on the Kilimanjaro Express, which is the gurney with a yeah. wheel. Yeah. If you've been to Kilimanjaro, you would have seen. Um, so no, we, we have activity packs in our policy, the adventure pack and the what we call the extreme pack. The adventure pack covers trekking up to 4,600 meters, so covers the Inca Trail essentially. That's oddly yeah. what's 4,006, and and uh, and we also cover Kilimanjaro with that one as well. Just Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro is five and a half thousand meters, um, but for Everest, that is the extreme pack, or anything else above 4,600 is the extreme pack. Yeah. But, but Kilimanjaro, we actually include that on the lower level because just the claims have been good. You know, okay. with with premiums, it is based on, you know, the claims experience. Um, you know, there are some activities we sometimes withdraw from our um, activity packs because the claims get bonkers. Uh, and there's ones we try and introduce uh, from time to time. Um, but, you know, we introduce them, but we have to go and see the underwriters at the insurance company. And we have to explain to them quite literally on the PowerPoint and exactly what it is they're, they're, they're going to be picking up. Uh, but, um, but yeah, no, Kilimanjaro uh, being very good. And the helicopter, okay. we haven't had any helicopter use. They use it mostly for sightseeing. Yeah, that's quite surprising because given the, you know, success rate on Kili, which we know on certain routes, particularly the shorter ones, yeah. is quite low. But I didn't realise perhaps myself that given you know the, the they probably just the kilimanjaro express down the bottom like you said with the with the metal cage gurney um is the way that they actually get most people down looking at it actually when we went to Kili, i don't think i saw a helicopter the entire time no um, didn't the, the thing is with the tmp who basically run you know the tanzanian national park um authority that basically run uh, kilimanjaro um, it is a massive income stream to the country. The permits, as yeah. you know, are extremely expensive to get up there and they don't want problems. They do have five or six deaths a year on Kilimanjaro. Um, usually it's obviously coronaries. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, and some of the routes are very fast. Uh, you know, some of the routes are just five days, which is, you know, but the guides right. are so good there they do recognize the early signs of acute mountain sickness so they'll hold people back with a guide for 24 hours just so they can possibly go on or they'll walk them down the mountain early days yeah. um, so it's that's why the helicopter i mean i feel a bit sorry for the helicopter operator because he doesn't do many rescues uh, but they do yeah nobody is sorry they, they, they do do sightseeing tours there, though. Um, I mean, it's just been, the helicopter outfits has been replaced. And the Eurocopters which are used, they are expensive helicopters. Your average helicopter that you'll see flying around in the sky in the UK, they can't get to altitudes above 3,000 metres. Uh, but the yeah. Eurocopters, um, you know, they can, you know, they could, one has landed on the, on the actual summit of Everest once, but, you know, it's only had yeah. the pilot and everything was stripped off it but they can merrily get yeah, about so five, five and a half thousand meters yeah i read uh, i read that one actually and i think like you said it was stripped out to its bare metal 
and they pretty much had the rotors going like full the whole time. You wouldn't yeah. dare like turn them off and like set foot. But um, yeah, it was fascinating, and it was did make me it. wonder whether old um, whether old Elon might actually make a high altitude helicopter that can like pluck people off in the yeah, death zone and stuff like that. You know? <laughs> I, I guess it's I not a primary interest for him, you know. I think I, I think to drop uh, drop people on for a selfie and then take them off. I think that's what he. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you know what you'd be? Ooh, I, sure I guarantee that. you that'd be, <laughs> that'd be. I don't reckon. I wouldn't do it, but I reckon that'd be big bucks. You know, to get people just to. It would completely ruin everything. You know. I was going to say. For the I bet the insurance would be high as well, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> dreadfully for the summit. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Good man. Um, yeah, just just a couple of questions that are coming through that I think probably based on similar things we talked about because we've talked about Dave. You meant you, you mentioned you've got your insurance like eleven p.m. kind of the day before. Yeah. But one question that's come through is kind of like in terms of when would you, um, you know, when, when would you buy your insurance before you went on a trip, Tim? Or when, you know. Well, you've got. I mean. On travel insurance, you've got two options. You've got an annual multi-trip policy, which will cover all your trips throughout the year, uh, but they are yeah. set to a maximum amount of days. Um, in our case, the maximum amount of time you can have away at any one time is 10 weeks in the year. And you have a single trip policy. Now, when you buy your insurance, it's basically when you book your trip, because your airline is going to hold money back and your tour operator is going to hold money back if you're going to have to cancel for you know, yeah. an insurable reason, not because you just didn't fancy going anymore. You can't claim for that. So once yeah. you've booked uh, your trip, then immediately take out your insurance. On a single trip policy, you'll just set your dates for your policy for the date of your actual trek. So if you are going on the 1st of March, that's when the policy starts. For multi-trip policies, though, you've got to start it today because that's when the cancellation cover will start. Uh, on a variety of trips. So you get, you get, if you like, free cancellation cover between now and your trip on a single trip. But otherwise, if you're going to go for a, a year round trip, uh, sorry, an, an, an annual multi trip, take it out straight yeah. away. Um, and then, you know, you can kind of forget about your insurance uh, for the year. If you're definitely going to be going away more than twice, whether it's to Europe or to the States or to Nepal or Tanzania or whatever, you're, you know, 99 times out of 100, it's going to be better value for you. To take out a multi-trip policy. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good, good question because I know a couple of people have asked around that. You know, is it better buying single trips or the annual one? And it's, it's a good point actually. So if you're going on potentially more than two, then it becomes more beneficial financially then to get the the year-round one, right? Yeah, I mean, people also forget about you know, you know, they may go to Paris for the weekend. If they, oh, I don't need insurance yeah. for that, but you have a multi-trip, it's there. And you know the the big insurance claims generally are road traffic accidents, and you're yeah. just as likely to get knocked down on the road in Paris as you are in London or, or Cardiff. So um, yeah. you know, yeah, it's it's important to get. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome. not, yeah, I think Diane's mentioned she's doing like skiing and then going to Machu Picchu, and then coming back and then she's got Everest Base Camp at the end of the year. Then clearly, Diane is doing a lot of trips, uh, <laughs> which is great. But yeah, so I mean. And she has asked about what's the price driven, which I know is quite hard off the cuff, but it's definitely cheaper than there. There's three big trips there, right? That would be worth getting an annual one by the sounds of it. Yes, no, it would be in that instance, without a doubt. Yeah. But you know, yeah. I mean, our website, our website is vaguely yeah. easy to use. We like to think, and you can just you can do comparisons, and, and yeah. you can check them out. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, in our experience, any 
three trips or more to get a multi-trip policy. Excellent. Um, we had an interesting question from uh, one of our, um, he's been a long time uh, customer, Tom Massetto. Um, so basically he's a Greek resident yeah, and he's now struggling, struggling to get hold of um, insurance from the UK. Um, do you have any insight into, because he's looking to get high altitude insurance policy to summit Kilimanjaro, um, but if there isn't a Greek company and stuff like that, do you have any advice for him? Is it something you can assist with or is there, do you reckon, just look at the European um, travel uh, insurance companies out there? Well, up until 31st of December, um, when we were part of the European Union, uh, banks and insurance companies could deal with all of the EU um, as, as the same that they would do in the UK. Um, as of 1st of January, that drawbridge was pulled up by the EU for political reasons. Um, so all the banks and all the insurance companies had to stop trading unless you opened up your own office in Europe and, uh, and, and, and set up shop out there, um, which is exactly what we ended up doing. Uh, we wanted to do it a lot faster. We, we did set up an arrangement with an insurance company in Malta. So we were going to have a Maltese office at one stage. Uh, but that all fell about because at the 11th hour, uh, the Maltese people wanted a lot of money, more money than we yeah. actually made ourselves. So we thought yeah. that's not a good idea. So as of um, 1st October, we have a subsidiary company or wholly owned company in the Czech Republic. So we have True Travel SRO in Prague, which, and we have staff out there who actually handle our claims because we've moved all claims in-house. So we yeah. can now sell to all nationalities of, of Europe. So on our website now, awesome. when you click on there, where do you normally live? You'll see a little Greek flag and Greece. So you can apply for cover um, on there. Um, and awesome. There we go, Tom. <laughs> That's the type of question that I wouldn't have known the answer to that has now sorted Tom out. So this is yeah. why we bring you people like yourself on, Tim, because, yeah, there you go, Tom, true traveler in Prague, they'll sort you out um, start to finish. Awesome. Thanks, uh, Tom, for that question. Um, yeah, very good, very good. I'm just um, sorry, I'm reading through the comments as well. Just while we're here as well, um, Lauren, I know you're on the, the comments. If you can put, because I know we're, we're talking about True Traveller here. Um, I'm not sure because we, we had a few tech issues regarding the link in the in the description. If you can put the link in the comments for everyone, that'll be awesome. Um, just direct to uh, the True Traveller website. That'd be great. Cheers, Lauren. Um, Dave, I, I think uh, interesting one. We'll go back to Nepal a bit. I know we've, we've touched on Kili there a bit. Um, only because I know, obviously, famously, there's been a lot of, um, you know, we, we've seen, uh, luckily, don't tolerate, but, um, you know, with, with guides and, and the dodginess that goes on out there, Tim. I know we were talking briefly, uh, what was it, yesterday, and even though there's not many, um, uh, you know, there's not as big numbers as normal, was it the other day you said there was like 19 evacuations in one day? Yeah, uh, from that's our nuts, operator out there, on the 19th of October, there was 19 helicopter rescues yeah, in Nepal back to Kathmandu, and they were all hospitalised. Um, there is only apparently about 2,000 trekkers, international trekkers in Nepal at the moment. Um, a lot of them are travelling without the necessary permits. Um, but wow. uh, the, you know, it is, it's not great at the moment. Um, mm. And I don't think there's there's very few international operators working in Nepal, if any, I don't think at the moment. So it's all the local guys 
getting it going early. And and we've heard that some of the routes are in very poor condition. Um, some of your okay. uh, guys may not know is that in the monsoon season, that's the time when some of the pathways, etc., are fixed up by the locals in in Nepal, etc. Yeah. So between May and May, June, July, August. They kind of spruce it up and make it nice again for the new trekking season, and that yeah. just hasn't happened in the last two years. Um, so it's all the infrastructure is not great, um, mm. and uh, yeah, we we we're having reports that it's uh, it's not really improving out there. Um, okay, but yeah, yeah, I I I suppose the only the, the reason I brought it up is that obviously we we've got people coming out in the next couple of weeks now. Which is great. These, I mean, these are our first trips that we're running since in Nepal. Since yeah. when was it, Dave? March. Since the guys were were stuck out there. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think he's on the live. Bri, Bri McAlpine, who's on the live. Hey, Brian, hi, um, they went out there. Um, so I think it was beginning of March 2019, and had a little uh, two-week extended stay, courtesy of the uh, travel restrictions. Um, and got yeah, full of beer. Uh, yeah, I was. Um, Initially, I was a little bit jealous because I thought when they got repatriated back to the UK that they would just be just put on a commercial airliner jet. You know, it's only going to be for them. There's going to be first class seats. But as I understand it, it was uh, it was like a, a, a you know, it was like a, an old Land Rover Defender with uh, a packed lunch. I think was what they had. But um, but yeah, so it's been since March 2019 now. We've got customers going out to um, EBC. It's quite a small season. Um, we're very lucky. I think that our guys out there. Um, have been kept, you know, in relatively good nick in terms of their like yeah. working and things like that. So the guys are ready to go. But yeah, it is fascinating though. Nineteen evacuations in one day. Like I wonder because yeah, it was bad weather. Um, I know delaying flights to Lukla for quite a while, and then I know yeah. up high, at least in the region near Mera, um, it made the news that there were some people trapped on there. So I'm wondering if the bad weather um, may have played into that. And because we all know that obviously, if you've ever trekked. For any length of time in the freezing cold or the rain it saps your energy combine that with altitude maybe it all came to a head on one particular day but that is fascinating i might I might have a little uh little uh google investigation into that and see what we can dig out i think it, it does bring up the um you know essentially uh, i know this is, if you've been on this live um over the last 12 months i think we've talked about it in terms of you know there are companies out there unfortunately and, and guides that you know uh, get get backhanders essentially from from getting you evacuated and that that has yeah i mean some been working really hard to, to kind of stop um obviously we've not been part of that but we know that's obviously a big part of it isn't it and these guys i think it's no coincidence that they've struggled for two years and then suddenly there's a spike because they want to try and earn some more money now i think essentially some of these guys are still around aren't they tim i mean they're still doing this kind of thing that where they're still making these you know essentially getting people down, even though they might not be 100% ill, right? Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. There was an investigation done uh, about three years ago with uh, an yeah. insurance assistance company in Nepal with the help of, of the Nepal Ministry of Tourism. And they actually had some undercover guys go with some of these local operators in Nepal who will charge $1,000 maybe for an Everest yeah. base camp trip. And you can't make money on that. The only way you can make money on it is uh, to um basically get a backhander from a helicopter company which is you know they, they'll get back two thousand dollars which is a lot we all i mean in the insurance game you have to pay backhanders to get stuff done 
a couple yeah. hundred bucks is kind of, you know, that's okay. When you start getting to the thousands of dollars, that isn't okay. Yeah. But on one of the particular trips, they actually had a UK ex-Special Forces guy who was, you know, dropped in there pretending to be a tourist. Um, yeah. And this guy, uh, he, they were basically uh, poisoning the food to, make, to give them vomiting and diarrhea, which is one of the early onsets of mm. acute mountain sickness. Yeah, I read about uh, that baking soda, I think, is what they put in the Yeah. Food. Yeah. yeah so, um, so to 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 arrange that, so it is you know it is quite bad, and we've had people we we warn people uh, on our website when you click the trekking in Nepal, we just give a warning that this does happen, and a lot of people yeah. say, oh, no, of course it doesn't, but we've had customers come back who have been helicoptered off the mountain. We paid for the the claim, etc., because we can't prove it wasn't um, a legitimate evac but of course they yeah. ruined that whole trip i mean a yeah. they haven't managed to get to ebc b their trips being curtailed they've lost out you know mentally and physically and the guy i remember I, he was he phoned me up and he was absolutely livid and he was kind of blaming us and i said well we did tell you it can happen yeah we would always recommend we would always recommend that obviously people do book their trip with an international operator such as yourselves or you know the, the other the other good guys out there because you have a responsibility and more importantly than that your contract is a uk-based contract so and you to operate in the uk have to have your you know professional indemnity insurance if you mm -hmm. if you get something wrong badly you could get sued in nepal there is no such law you cannot take them to court in nepal yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the trekking association in Nepal, TAMS, it's just a club. You pay your money to it, you get a badge to stick yeah. on your window. It's nothing more than that. Um, yeah. And we did we did look into two years ago with some other insurance companies to say, okay, we're not going to uh, offer insurance for anybody going to Nepal who are going to be booking with the local Nepalese company. And we put that forward to the Ministry of Tourism in Nepal, and they said if we did that, they wouldn't accept our insurance at all. So, wow, it's it's kind of yeah. <laughs> so. All we can do, yeah. all we can do is find the balance, isn't it? Yeah, it can, can be a little bit tricky. Yeah, I think um, one of the things I think we we're very proud of over of our team in Nepal is that um, the the head of our whole operation over there that looks after it um, has a really really close relationship with a lot of the airlines, and one of his driving things was for change in the industry. Because he yeah. understood that, you know, you know, going back to when you first came, even up to, you know, now and fairly recent times, it's been a little bit of the Wild West in terms of that type of, you know, yeah. exploitation of customers and helicopters and kickbacks and things. And one thing he sought to do was legitimize the industry, you know, yeah. and to try and like set yeah. some standards. He was he's done other things like the first thing um, he did, you know, the long line rescue in Nepal. Like going yeah. back a long, long time ago, he was one of the first people that actually brought in the technology using the mountaineer uh, Simone Moro, the Italian mountaineer, who was a pilot himself, mm. brought stuff like that in. So, yeah, we are very fortunate in that we've never personally experienced any of that exploitation, but it certainly does happen. And I just want to parrot the importance of like that, having those two things lined up, a reputable company to actually provide you with the trip and a reputable insurance company to make sure that the other side of it is covered um, in the event of something dodgy. I think one thing I'm curious about is 
what do you know? I'm going to ask you two questions, and actually they've been asked here as well by Ramona, who's asked, um, what's the cost of a helicopter? So what, say, if, if you were to pick me up from EBC and take me back to Kathmandu, what would the cost of that chopper be on average in your experience? And also, this is my question, what's the most expensive claim you've ever dealt with? Okay, if you pick, I mean, it, it all depends whereabouts you are, obviously, in the altitude. Yeah. But yeah. as it now, and and then they'd have to take you to a hospital, and you'd be admitted to the hospital yeah. for at least one night, and you've got the medical bills to pay there as well. Um, so generally, that the whole thing to up to the insurer would be about five and a half thousand pounds. If you were further away, if you were at uh, a more awkward altitude, if you, um, because you know when you're in Nepal now. There are a lot of helicopters going around. Uh, you yeah. will see them all the time on your phone. You're thinking, wow. But helicopters, <laughs> when you make the phone call, they don't turn up in half an hour. Generally, when a call is made, it's after a day's trekking. People are getting tired and they have a fall and they break an ankle, break a wrist, something like that. Uh, or they start, you know, they start getting dizzy, vomiting, diarrhea, and they've got early stage uh, acute mountain sickness. Yeah. Now, a responsible operator will maybe have oxygen with you or take them down a mountain 500 meters or so so there's it's yeah. quite literally just more oxygen in the air but it's going to be in the evening the helicopter is not going to turn up in the evening because they don't want to fly into the side of a mountain uh, so the helicopter at best will take 12 to 18 hours to get to you because the next morning they're going to be looking at all the helicopter companies and in the trekking association, Paul's saying, what are the urgent ones? Who's going to get out of here first? Because there might be a professional team on a mountain near a peak uh, who may need to be rescued first. Most expensive one in Nepal, we had a guy, hmm, December 2019, uh, the total cost of that claim was £62,416. Wow. He not only needed helicopters, he was hospitalized in Nepal for some time because um, he, when he was being rescued, he fell as well. He wasn't wearing a heart hat, so he had a fractured skull. Um, and uh, he had a, 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 an escorted air ambulance back to the UK. So he's escorted by a doctor. So that was £62,000. So that's our, that's our the worst. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, nowhere near, it's nowhere near our biggest. I mean, to, to put it into perspective, we had a £90,000 claim in Canada a couple of years ago from a girl in her own apartment at night, walked downstairs to get a glass of water. She had a concrete staircase. She fell down the stairs. Ended up being a £90,000 claim. Wow. You see, that's uh, one of the reasons why I tell people you should just book a trip to EBC because it might be scary. <laughs> But is it as scary as walking down your own steps at night? Probably not in that case. You know, um, so, and you've, you've got that from officialdom there. But, um, but yeah, I think, again, one of the things that we're really thankful of um, with Evertrek is that we, we do have legitimate connections with um, one or two particular airlines. So we do yeah. tend to avoid going through the whole gamut of trying to find it because as you know the helicopters out there they're basically taxis and trucks right providing yeah. supplies and everything and then they they bring you know they'll bring beer up people down and they'll do this yeah. all the time we're very lucky that we pretty much go to one you know we've got connections directly to one legitimate company you know so it does help us in terms of getting people quickly and legitimately 
get them help. Um, yeah, it is fascinating. Definitely. Um, I've got a, a couple of questions come in as well. Um, Kim, uh, sorry, Karen's asked. Sorry, Karen. Um, Tim, what is the hospital care like out in Nepal? Not bad, oddly. Uh, we've had some. We've had some other serious cases in Nepal. Uh, it's yeah. nothing to do with trekking. Um, people don't just go to Nepal for trekking. We actually have people working out in Nepal who take our cover as well. We've had some okay. quite nasty liver situations out there, but the you know, the standard of care is actually in the Kathmandu is actually pretty good. Uh, yeah. There are certain countries of the world where it's not very good, and uh, we would repatriate them to a neighbouring country pretty quickly. Uh, I'm thinking more Indochina, Cambodia, Laos. Uh, we'd move into Bangkok pretty quickly. Um, so, um, but yeah, in in Nepal, not bad. And you know, we can move them down to Delhi pretty quickly. And Delhi's pretty yeah. much got everything you'd need in a hospital if somebody was, you know, uh, colossally injured. Um, yeah. But as I said, 90% of the stuff in Nepal is, is acute mountain sickness. And oddly, when you get a helicopter and you go down to Kathmandu, you, you jump out and you're cured. Um, yeah. But, yeah. yeah, but for, uh, you know, any sort of uh, musculoskeletal injury, um, Nepal is, is pretty good. Actually, as is Tanzania. Um, you know, yeah. even at it's Moshi, really there's, that little, there's that little cottage hospital at Moshi which can handle broken arms and legs without any problems. And yeah, yeah. Uh, the only big one we had in Kilimanjaro was to fly them up to the American hospital in Nairobi, which is the closest center of medical excellence. Yeah. Nice. Well, I suppose... Okay, yeah, go on, Dave. Sorry, mate. I've, uh, I've jumped in. Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the delay again. I it's know, really delay again. weird the time when I can jump in. <laughs> I think I got it. I think I got it nailed. And then I go, oh, okay, fine. But no, I was going to say, um, just uh, I suppose, yeah, they're actually those companies, uh, those countries, are, and particularly those niche areas, you know, like Moshi is set up and experienced enough to have this because it's going to happen every year, year in, year out to a number of different people. Um, but I had one question that I wanted to ask. Uh, Dave Rimington has asked this as well. Um, actually, I've jumped oh, yeah. one and maybe you could get Joel Palmer's. Um, how detailed and far back should existing health conditions actually be? And does that really have a massive impact on the insurance? I think what he's wondering, because I used to work for an insurance company way back when, and what would happen is that they'd have these like essential facts of the policy. And if they were incorrect, even if they were unrelated to a claim, might invalidate the whole policy from inception. So does pre-existing health conditions, are they really important to disclose? should everybody tell you everything going back as far as they can remember? Basically, when it comes to lungs, heart and head, yes, you should do, yeah. because they're the things that are going to really affect yeah. you. There are, I've seen some insurance companies that you've got to declare the fact you broke a leg when you were a child. I mean, what's the point yeah. of that? Um, anything else that's more than two years ago, we don't care. Uh, but, you know, okay. heart, lungs and head if you've got problems in those areas and you've ever had problems in those areas you've got to declare the conditions we will pass through we have an online medical declaration system on our on our website um, which is basically bought in from an expert company um, and it's a score and it, the score is from one to a thousand uh, we'll accept so if you have something really minor like you've got asthma that's going to have a score of one so you might have to pay an extra five pounds um, yeah. If you've had cancer, but you've been in remission for a few years, that maybe give you a score of three. So you might have to pay an extra 30 quid. Uh, but 
five percent of people have got some pretty you know ongoing debilitating ongoing disease and that's going to knock you out of the school and we say sorry we can't insure you and you've and when we we sort of point you towards the money advice service because they have a a load of other insurers who are specialist insurers of people who are critically ill you know you know insurance can be high i actually had my yeah, eyes tested a few weeks ago and the right, optician you know found out how to did travel insurance what do you do travel insurance so it was a great start to a conversation and I said oh i took my dad to florida last year and he was in remission from cancer he'd only been in remission for three months and we had to pay a thousand pounds for his travel insurance do you, do you think that's ridiculous? And I said, well, um, put it this way. If he had to go to an A&E clinic in Florida oh, okay. and he was in there for four hours, yeah. that would probably cost the insurer okay. $10,000. So, you know, if he's only been in remission for three months, that's quite early days. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, we do, you know, obviously we have big claims. And, uh, and all, all we can do is just shake our heads and go, damn, I hope they're okay. Um, you know, our biggest ever claim was a kid knocked over on his bicycle by a truck in, in California. And that claim was yeah. north of half a million dollars. Wow. wow. That is mad, isn't it? Crossing the road. Um, yeah, Joel, um, yeah, just looking at some of the questions, Dave, I know we got well, about 10, 15 minutes left. So we'll, uh, we'll smash through these. We've got, a, we've got a few that have come in. Um, yeah, it does. So, yeah, I think Joel, he's with Lloyd's, uh, Lloyd's Bank. Um, he says he got cover for like winter sports, trekking cover with monthly policy. He inquired about Everest Base Camp trip. Um, you know, asked quite a lot of questions, you know, altitude, all the usual stuff, you know. And they did say he was covered. And yeah, I, and I kind of, I might have already answered the question, but uh, do I need to request a cover note um, to name EBC on a policy schedule to, uh, just to risk so he's covered? I presume just getting a bit of to cover his back then you know, to get some written confirmation that he is covered for a helicopter evacuation, right, would be what he would need? Well, possibly. Um, I mean, Lloyd's, yeah. as I, uh, oh, sorry, I mentioned to you guys earlier, but Lloyd's scheme has just been taken over by Allianz, and it was previously yeah. insured by AXA. Um, what they don't do on these bank schemes is actually send you your details, your cover note. You've kind of got to go onto the bank website and download yeah. it and actually have a look, which I've done myself because I'm with HSBC and I get a free one but oddly yeah. I take my own as well <laughs> um, so on there will be what you're covered for and it will have trekking and, and, and a set altitude most insurers who will cover trekking will cover up to 6,000 meters um, which obviously will quite merrily cover you to ever space camp they don't have to yeah. specify the mountain we, we actually go above 6,000 just because of near a peak to be honest with you so we don't have a limit as far as if it's a trekking mountain um, so no and and you'll find that um, you know Lloyd's uh, will have will include ambulances and an ambulance can be of any sort it could be two guys with a gurney it can be you know your old Land Rover ambulance and it can be a helicopter and it can be an air ambulance one of those Lear jets that are you know hired out which will cost between here and Los Angeles about 60,000 US dollars so uh, so yeah it'll you know you just got to download the the paperwork. Unfortunately, if you phoned up Lloyd's Bank or HSBC, if they'd ever answer the phone to you, which is usually the excitement that I go through when I get hold of, you're probably not going to find the right person and they, they wouldn't send you out to Covenant anyway. But if you download the, the small print, you'll see it. 
be able to see okay yeah nice <clears throat> yeah i hope that helps joel i know um you know like explain there like tim explained you know we want to read the small print there i would as well if it was me because i bank with them um, nationwide and i know they've got some similar cover but i always get my because i, I quite i always like using the specialist to get my altitude cover because i know 100 percent that's covered obviously i know it's an additional expense but in the grand scheme of things it's not a lot of money to, yeah. to cover yourself um you know with these places because it is adventure travel isn't it and and i i think you know we, we all talk about um different things like you know hitting your head or trekking and stuff i mean this is this is adventure travel it's you know you've got to be comfortable with it before you go knowing there's a risk right because there's a risk in anything you do um like a guy in california getting knocked off on the road it can happen anywhere never mind that mate Stairs in Canada. That's the <laughs> stairs in Canada. Like, yeah, I tell you, that's oh, so I, I but, yeah. Laugh, but yeah, yeah, I know. Um, that's it. It can happen anywhere, but you know, it's good to have the right insurance, isn't it? Um, 100%. Yes. Yeah. By the way, nation, nation, nationwide are stopping their insurance at the end of the year. So really? If you have your and it only covered Europe, but if you have a nationwide account yeah. that had your great insurance, they have announced uh, stopping at the end of the year. Oh, that's a shame. I only claimed once for them. Someone stole my skis in France once, and they paid out within like forty-eight hours, which was very frustrating. But anyway, they, so they were good. So it's a shame they're shame they're going. But never mind. Excellent. Um, so Linda McKenzie said that they're looking to do Island Peak in November two thousand and two. That I know you guys provide cover for. Um, but they're also two thousand and two. Two thousand twenty. Two thousand twenty-two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I need to I need to give these a clean I think, but um, yeah. And it said, uh, but they're also looking for a policy that does that provides like a varied range of cover, so not specifically just trekking at high altitude, but other sort of um, adventure sports as well. So I'm assuming that might include like mountain biking, rock climbing, you know, that type of thing as well. Is there such a policy that would cover um, a wide range? In yeah, we we have our activity packs and our standard pack. Um, which comes with every policy anyway, uh, covers 92 activities, and that includes trekking to 3,000 metres. Uh, then there's the adventure pack, which just talking about trekking, uh, is up to 4,600, but it include a lot of other activities as well. Uh, there's our uh, extreme pack, which will cover trekking to any altitude, which includes lots of extras on there as well. Um, high wire trapeze if you're really into that and high yeah. silks there. and then we have our ultimate pack which covers all sorts of nuts things um, so uh, so yeah so you can choose the pack you have and you have the cover for everything and there's no limit so for example on our extreme pack it'll cover scuba diving to 50 meters and you can scuba dive all day every day if you really want to on your whole trip and still have cover throughout on scuba diving i should point out you shouldn't scuba dive I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, getting into a pressurized cabin after scuba diving within 24 hours is not something yeah. you should do. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I used to be a scuba instructor, so uh, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was going to say, you're out all day, you're going to have some interest in after effects. <laughs> yeah, no, we've had, we, had, uh, we had one a few years ago. Um, they were in Indonesia and somebody got the bends and we had to move them to a hyperbaric chamber and they were in Manado which is about 800 kilometers uh, east of Bali and we had to get a, a low flying aircraft because you couldn't get to high altitude so basically skimming the trees 
getting this girl back to the hyperbaric chamber as fast as possible. Because there is a very, I mean, if you're going scuba diving, there's not a lot of hyperbaric chambers around. So if you are going to get the bends, you need to move to one very, very quickly. It's not one of these assistance cases that, oh, leaving 48 hours. It's like yeah. now. Um, and uh, so that was, you know, we do get the cases of, of bends, yeah. Yeah. This is exactly yeah, why awesome. my policy is to remain above sea level um, and never go under the water unless <laughs> I can put my hand like that and be out the water. Um, I am, I'm, yeah. in, I'm in agreement with you. I've only done scuba diving a couple of times in, in Australia. And I do remember being under the water, not that far down, maybe 10, 15 metres. And there's this, there's this massive fish called a grouper. And it's basically yeah. the same size as a mini. And this thing came towards me. I thought, I don't know what I'm doing down here. I'm really, I, mean, I really didn't enjoy it, but um, you know, I tried it. It wasn't something I rushed. So yeah, you've got to you sample the menu of life, right? And you, you had a exactly, go, so. exactly. Yeah, really. On Everest, does an animal the size of a small family hatchback? Uh, maybe maybe the yeti or something like that <laughs> yeah. might get you, but <laughs> but, uh, but nothing else. Um, I had one question, which I think is quite interesting because um, uh, we've been asked it quite a lot. And this is from Shona, who's actually done EBC. Um, and it's about the excesses between different companies. Now, I wonder if this is either just company policy or if there's a reason for the variation. Now, we know that the excess um, is quite high for helicopter evacuation, but I guess that's because the cost is quite high. But some no, companies no, no, charge. No, no, no. I'll tell you why it's there. Ex exactly, Tim. This is this is what I'm getting to. Provide because the clarification. It was, because it was because it was me who introduced it, and everybody followed. Yeah. Um, oh, a long time ago, when our underwriter used to be Ace back then, we on one weekend we had six rescues, one of which was a married couple, an, uh, an Australian uh, couple. Uh, he was rescued one day and his wife was rescued the next day. And we found out basically that people were being paid to be rescued by the dodgy trekking companies. So how do we try and stop this from happening? Well, we knew that basically the most that would be paid out by a helicopter company for the rescue would be 2,000 US dollars. So we decided to put our access at £750 because then it wasn't worth bribing somebody. And that's the only yeah. reason it's there. It's not to make yeah. up the, the cost or anything like that. It's purely that. And that's why it's there. It's to stop people from being encouraged to be rescued. And it did happen. We had, you know, we had, and the guy, in, uh, the guy Ace back in that, those days, a guy called, uh, Andre Paul, who was the underwriter, he said, oh, that'll never catch on. But as soon as we did it, other insurance companies followed very quickly uh, behind us. Um, and I think some are at £2,000, which is kind of pointless, because yeah. it's not the reason it's there. It's there, it's there just to uh, make people think twice. Is it worth me taking a backhander? And of course, the best you're going to get from a dodgy tracking company is I'll go halves with you. I'll give you a thousand bucks. Well, if we're taking 750 from the get-go, it's not worth you doing. And that's why it's yeah. there. No other reason. Wow. That is news to me. I always made an assumption that it was because the cost was high. Like, but yeah, that actually makes sense. And I suppose it's it's a necessary evil in order to curb the you know the the temptation of people who have perhaps got to EBC and yeah. they say well do you want to do you want a quick lift down 
you know, because that, yeah, there, is, there is a bit of that, yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, it's the only reason it's there. I mean, we would expect in a season, I mean, we insure a lot of people in the pool. Uh, we would expect to do between 60 and 100, you know, helicopters in a season. Um, yeah. And you know, and they and when it's bad weather, it can can get a little bit worse. Well, it's a kind of a thin dividing line actually. Bad weather means the helicopters can't take off sometimes, or they can't yeah. operate safely. Some of them can, but the majority of them can't. Um, so, um, but yeah, it's just you know, if, if it's four or five grand, and it's it's somebody who is ill, because uh, you know you want them off the mountain quickly. If if you know a responsible yeah. trekking company says this is more. Than acute mountain sickness. This is early stage hape or haze. We've got to get. You've got to move them off quickly, and a responsible yeah. trekking company will run them down, and 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 get a be if he's 500 meters below where they are, and also to get them near a landing site because helicopters, they can't land. It's not like when we saw the military helicopters in Afghanistan hovering on the side of a building and soldiers jumping on board because a were not all soldiers and b. You know those military pilots they really are extraordinarily good um, yeah, so you're going to get a landing ground as well so getting people you know the big responsibility of the operator is spotting the early signs of acute mountain sickness which is basically dizziness fatigue vomiting diarrhea um, and then just slowing it down but if you know as on your your trips because i looked them up you know there is altitude so you do there's only so much altitude you can go up once you're over three thousand meters you can't jump 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 and you've got to stay 24 hours and if you do that yeah. you know your chances are so much lessened uh, of being you know affected by ams um or like me because my as i said earlier my early days were in the army and this is in the early 1980s and it was mandatory pretty much in the army to smoke like a chimney so being an ex-smoker my lungs are, are used to having less oxygen in the blood anyway so I don't get acute mountain sickness. I was, I was out in Peru about three years ago. I was like a mountain goat. My wife, though, she was popping diamox and looking very ill the whole time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the benefits of smoking. Yeah. Ex-smoker. Ex-smoker, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. ex-smoker. Ex no, I've, I've given up now, so I'm holier than now. Yeah. <laughs> Man, uh, it's still a lot of questions. I know we've um, we've got about another. Let's do another sort of five minutes. I know we've we've got a few here. Um, I think Lindsay, uh, Lindsay McLeod's asked. So people who generally need helicopter evacuation still have to pay the seven fifty excess. And I obviously haven't been involved. I'd say obviously yes, they do. Um, we we you know. collect it. We collect yeah. it if it's for uh, uh, breathing difficulties. If somebody's had a broken leg and it has to be removed, there's no excess available. Okay, wow. Because, yeah, that was actually Nick, Nick Howard asked that. Will insurance cover for long term costs of healthcare for any injuries sustained whilst trekking? Um, not long term. Not long term. A, a, a travel insurance policy is an emergency assistance policy. We're not private health insurance. So uh, once we have secured you in the local, you know, we will bring you back home. So yeah. we'll bring you all the way back to your local hospital in the UK. So if, if it's necessary, and then we say goodbye to you and the NHS then takes over. Um, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we, we, we're not there. You know, travel insurance policies aren't designed for that. It's, you know, it's accident yeah. and illness only. 
yeah definitely yeah no, it's, it's some good questions though it's uh because it, it's, it's interesting isn't it what, what kind of what questions come about when we're talking about insurance and i know we're, we're going into specifics now but um yeah but it's very interesting because obviously i'm i'm learning as well actually <laughs> just about all this tim i appreciate um uh, appreciate you answering those uh, dave you got any more questions that you've seen mate i've just um, gone through the a quick look um, I'm just having a quick look now. So uh, Paul Evans has said, oh, you're late joining us today. That's okay, mate. It's probably a good thing you missed the beginning. Well, we were getting the tech right. Um, so let's have a look. Who is the insurance on the call now? And what is the typical cost of an EBC track? I guess that's almost a difficult question to answer because it depends on the individual, right? Um, but I think I'm 38 with nothing to declare. And I think I pay about, I think it was just, less than 200 quid i think i paid for my whole policy to go to edc um you'll be looking at around about you know if, if you're in up to 50 i mean there is an age loading so yeah. i've got to pay more because i'm over 50 uh, and when you get over 60 there's more of an age loading um but uh, yeah it'd be under 200 pounds for a for a you know a 20-day trip to nepal to cover ebc etc yeah. and a bit of time to yeah. make sure you're not getting stuck at the airport with the fog that comes down um you know it's under 200 pounds and, you know, and 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 the chances of anything happening you know with all insurances travel insurance policies 95 percent of people don't claim and then between 95 the 95 and 100 some are small but little baggage claims you know they lost something they broke something so yeah. that's an easy thing and there's about one and a half percent who need medical attention which can be a 300 pound bill from an a and e um to 400 yeah nice. well, funny enough my um, dad noticed the difference because he went to ebc when he was about 59 and then when he was 61 and yeah. he did wonder why the price jumped up. So now I'm going to text yeah. him and tell him, um, yeah, that, that, that's why that happened, my friend. You were, you broke a bracket. It is a bit unfair because obviously I appreciate that there are some 60-year-olds out there who are fitter than many 30-year-olds. The, the sad fact is, though, with, with travel insurance, we can't give everybody a medical. When you get your private health insurance, which you pay up to £1,000 a year for, you will go for a medical at the beginning. And your insurance yeah. will say, okay, we'll do you for this and exclude that. We don't have that luxury. So we've just got to look at a broad spectrum of where the claim is yeah. coming, where the risk is. So, yeah, there is age loading, um, you know, and and we just, unfortunately, we've got to accept it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things, isn't it? I, you know, at the end of the day, with, you know, coming on a, a trip with us and, um, you know, where insurance, you know, you need it. If you go into to high altitude, you know, we, you need uh, evacuation cover. Um, you know, that's why it's great that we got companies like True Traveller, it's, uh, you know, uh, who are very good. And as I mentioned before, I've used them personally. Um, I got a good question from a, a friend of mine, actually, and, and he is Avatrekker as well, uh, uh, Doug Smith. Um, yeah, because I, I kind of don't feel like I know the answer to this one. Would you recommend getting a group policy if you were going with a couple of friends? It makes no odds. If there's three of you, yeah. you'll end up paying three times the price. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it makes no odds. I mean, it could be yeah. useful if you all got it from the same insurance company because it kind of makes nice things quite easy for curtailment. So curtailment is if you, yeah. your holiday gets stopped early days. So let's say there's three of you trekking the ball. One of you becomes sick. You've all got to curtail and come home early. So you'll have lost yeah. years of your holiday. Mm -hmm. So it's easier to be honest with you for the claim situation, 
if you can just prove we're all together. Um, so sticking with the same company is, is probably quite useful. The only time we do group policies is for groups of more than 10. Um, and and we there is a 10% discount. Uh, but generally, pretty much exclusively, is army who come to us. So okay. soldiers who are doing trips to Nepal or in France or whatever, they will come to us and ask for um, their stuff. And, and they have pre-existing conditions as well. So because they, they sometimes have more than others because they've had you know, musculoskeletal injuries yeah. in, in yeah. times gone past, etc. So it's generally uh, army groups who will take out their trekking insurance with us. Amazing. Okay. I'm actually being called out at the moment, Tim, because um, a moment ago I said that I was 38 and had no uh, nothing to declare. Um, that's because I forgot I had knee surgery in April. Um, so uh, people are now pointing out that I do have a dodgy knee and um, I should be declaring that. And um, I haven't trekked since I've done my knee, so I haven't thought about it. But um, yeah, you, you, I just want to clarify. That is 38 interesting. with a completely exploded knee. Um, everything else is everything else. Is well, you should. You shouldn't. You, you'll always find in uh, most policies that there's uh, a section that will say, you know, you shouldn't have undertaken the trip without, you know, permission or, you know, from your doctor. Yeah. So we have had some claims that have, I don't think we've actually had any denied, but some people who basically weren't, if they're going to see their GP and said, I've got this brilliant idea, I'm going to do Mira Peak. And, you know, they're massively overweight and they've had, you know, breathing difficulties, etc., etc. The doctor would say, really, you shouldn't do that. Think about, you know, going to a nice beach somewhere. Um, so you've got to watch out for that. But, you know, obviously you've, you've done trekking, etc. And you've been around a bit. So you probably aren't going to stress your knee out that much by doing anything like, you know, next year's London Marathon too quickly. Um, yeah. But you've just got to be sensible because it's, you know, at the end of the day to us, as an insurer, it's money and we'll get over it. As I was saying to the guys before the talk started last year, obviously with COVID, the travel insurers in this country were just taken to the cleaners absolutely royally. And some of them, some of the bigger insurers like Mapfrey, who were massive Spanish underwriting company, they pulled out totally from the UK now. Um, so, but we'll make it back in years to come. If it goes wrong on your holiday, your whole experience is going to be ruined. You may be hospitalized for some time. Your family are going to be worried about you. So you've got to make sure that, you know, if you are going to be doing an adventurous activity or an extreme sports, just got to make sure that you're, you're in the right place to it. For us, it's money. Yeah. We'll pay the claim, fine. But for you, it's going to be worse. You know, when we say, I say sometimes when I'm on the call to people and so I say, you know, you want to make sure you don't have a claim far more than we do. So, you know, that's the, you've just got to be a, bit, a little bit sensible and think things through. I don't know about you, Anne, but I reckon that sounds like an awesome final thought of the day. Um, because normally <laughs> we like to finish. Usually gives us one <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't want to say anything else and ruin that because I think I agree <laughs> with that wholeheartedly. You know, the insurance company will get over it. It's business as usual. But for you, it could be the once in a lifetime bucket like list venture. So um, make sure you get it right. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah great. Stuff. Well, look, um, well, Tim, look, thanks, thanks for coming on um, and, and putting your time aside. Um, it's been quite insightful, actually, just to kind of see from the other side, um, you know, how things work. And, and I know you've obviously been in, in the travel industry for a very long time now. So, you know, you know a lot more than us. But it's just good to uh, obviously to chat about it. And I hope, uh, obviously, if you've watched today, I hope you've, you've got some value out of it as well. And I know we've had loads of questions come in. 
Um, some of them not about insurance. So I thought we'd leave those till after. We'll come back in the comments yeah. and we'll just answer those off. Um, but I, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it, guys. And it's been, um, uh, you know, like Tom, Lindsay, Andrew, Nick, you know, Ramona, all the usual guys. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, and yeah, Tim, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll meet you again. I see we're down in London tomorrow, so you never know. We might pop in. <laughs> <laughs> No, but, it's, been, um, it's, yeah, been, it's very good. So much. Okay, super. Thanks. Yeah. Excellent. Cheers, Tim. Thanks. All right. Take awesome. it easy, guys. We'll Take see you next week. Guys. Bye. Thanks. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune-in, but I yeah. hope you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks. Now, if, uh, if you've enjoyed it, don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast. Um, you know, all these uh, podcasts we put together, the episodes trying to reach as many people as possible and if it's helped you leave us a lovely review um and yeah we'll see you again next week yeah all the best guys bye